0: Southwestern Advantage is about so much more than just helping your family with education. Our company is the nation's oldest entrepreneurial program, helping college and university students build character and develop the skills they need to achieve their goals in life. These are the kind of skills employers seek that cannot be taught in a classroom. Skills such as problem solving, effective personal communication with people from all walks of life, confidence, attitude, goal setting, and more. Since 1855, the Southwestern Family of Companies has invested in purpose-driven people who are inspired to build principle-guided businesses that impact the world. And for many, that purpose started with a summer at Southwestern Advantage. But this program isn't just about growing the young men and women whom you'll see in the community. It's also about growing your own son or daughter, and the educational resources they will bring to your home are second to none, with learning systems that address the whole child from preschool to 12th grade. Uniquely designed by top educators, these resources serve the modern needs of today's private, public, and homeschooled students. They're kid-approved, parent-preferred, and teacher-recommended. At Southwestern Advantage and the Southwestern family of companies, we invest in building people and inspire them to achieve their goals in life to positively impact the world. Learn more at southwesternadvantage.com action.
1: Welcome to the Action Catalyst, and we are so excited to have a special guest today, Governor Kevin Stitt, uh, Governor of Oklahoma. Man, that is just so amazing and thank you for being on here with us, Governor Stitt. Oh, well, it's my pleasure.
2: It's, uh, it's great to be with you and, and have so many fond memories of my time at Southwestern. It's just uh, great to you know talk to all those young people.
1: Well, I know that coming right out of the gates here, here you are at the top of the state of Oklahoma running a lot of different important endeavors and you got your start in business with Southwestern as one of the top first year salespeople going door to door. Take us back to the beginning of of your roots and starting with Southwestern and what it was like being one of the the top first year dealers and give us a little peek into the history of Governor
2: Stitt. Sure, absolutely. Well, I was a, I was a sophomore at, at Oklahoma State University and was supposed to be a rush chairman that summer for my fraternity. And then I heard about selling uh, selling books and something inside me just said that this is what I should do for the summer. It was going to be the best thing for my future. and And I never shied away from challenges or things that were hard when I thought I was supposed to do it. You know, signed up. I didn't know anybody that it, that was going out that summer except the people, my sales manager and the student manager that I met. Shocked me, shocked everybody. But I ended up the number one first year student in 13 weeks. I think I sold run underneath 7,000 units, like 69 and some change. It totally changed the trajectory of my life. We all went through those hard times our first summer. Where I remember my second week and and uh, tears rolling down my face and writing a letter to my little brother and wondering how I was going to make it for the rest of that summer and. But just that perseverance that you learn and and the accomplishment that you feel when you get to the end of that summer that you can do anything you set your mind to and being able to build rapport and and learning how to you know the sales cycle and using your names and all the things that they taught us it's just all things that I think back on the work ethic the staying on schedule, all those things have benefited me so much in the rest of my life and my career after this point
1: oh, that's awesome. Well, you said that the skills that you gained there now has translated into the work you do at the governor's office. So how have you directly taken your knowledge from Southwestern Advantage and are applying it to
2: running the state of Oklahoma? Well, when I decided to run for governor, we can talk about my business career, too. But when I decided to run for governor. I don't think the politicians had ever seen anybody work as hard as <laughs> as we do on the book field. So I used a bookman schedule and and literally for eighteen months went around the state to all seventy seven counties and um, held uh, meetings. From you know, would leave at six a.m. my house in Tulsa and literally would get back home at ten o'clock at night and did that for eighteen months and just surprised everybody. Came from you know, zero name ID and past all the career politicians and just really, we just outworked them and we had a better story. We were able to build rapport quicker uh, with Oklahomans. So that perseverance, you know, the rejection, the, the handling, that fear of the sales call and making those phone calls and those, just all, all those things that we learned, the answer to every problem is behind the next door. And uh, all those things that we say to ourselves, it has so direct correlations to our book field. You have to have a positive attitude. You've got to have good self-talk. It's things I teach my kids to this day. And it's things that you, you know, in life, whether you're running for governor or you're governor or you're the CEO of a company or you're a mom or a dad or whatever, uh, you're going to have ups and downs and you have to learn to control your emotions and you set your attitude. Don't let those outside influences affect you. And so those are all things that we learn on the book field.
1: Oh, that is just so well said. You alluded to the entrepreneur background, and you have a tremendous business background before becoming governor. I love this quote. So you started Gateway Mortgage as the founder in 2000, and you said you had $1,000 and a computer. And so starting off, you know, just grassroots entrepreneur style, what advice would you give on how did you stay focused when you started your company? and you had a $1,000 and a computer.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, people see the success today. Today, we you know we have 1,600 employees, and we're a bank. We, we do business in 40 states. But in the beginning, I mean, it, it's all being fiscally disciplined, taking care of your customers, your employees, setting that big vision and that big dream, and then going out and achieving it. But I mean, it's just, you know, everybody has the same amount of time in a day. It's what you do with it and never giving up. So I'll give you one quick example. Back in, uh, you know, 2006 timeframe, you know, I started my company in 2000, but in 2006, I felt like we should have been bigger. I was trying to to grow faster, I me mean, doing everything right and uh, kind of had to surrender that and just say, Hey, I'm just going to do the best I can do. And and if, if it's not in the cards for me to be bigger then, then that, so be it. Well, then the financial crisis hit and a lot of people went out of business at that point and a lot of people just decided to change industries and change careers, and we talk about that. That's another lesson from the book field is marry your territory. Don't wish you were in this area or this area, and so I just doubled down on the industry. A lot of people had given up and had moved away from our industry, but I'm just either too stubborn or just it's not over until I win. I'm going to keep going, and so I doubled down, and, and looking back on it, had we been bigger back in 2006, I probably would have gone out of business like everybody else. Had I given up and thought the regulation was too difficult, I would have, you know, started over and gone to a different industry or a different career. But because we stuck to it, it's amazing how, you know, opportunity took us and really we started really growing after that 2008, 2009 timeframe. And, uh, you know, we are where we are today because of some of those tough decisions. It was tough back in six, seven, eight, but. You never give up. You never know. You're so close to success. People give up just a little bit too soon, and so that's something that, again, uh, we learned that on on the book field. You you know, you've got. There's always a start and a finish, and and we've got to continue on. And when you choose a career profession, you are going to have rocky times. Period. Everybody does, uh, but you've got to persevere through that. And um, that's something that I know that book folks know. Mm. When you
1: alluded to my next question, which is after starting that business in 2000, uh, whatever you can share, would you mind sharing revenue or anything on the size and scope of the business that you built today?
2: Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, 1,600 employees and and we're a bank now. So anybody can look up our numbers on uh, the FDIC websites, but we were the second most profitable bank in the country between two to five billion in size, something like that. So just amazing what the Lord has done and blessed us with. About $2 billion in assets. Revenue, uh, I, you know, I've been over here running governor and I've got a great team. Uh, my general counsel is the CEO. So I totally trust the team and, and um, I'm not even really involved right now with the business I've got my hands full with the state. So exact numbers on the revenue side, when I was there, uh, $300 million, something like that. Man, for all
1: the entrepreneurs in the audience, they're sitting there going, okay, $1,000 in a computer to $300 million, that is quite the track record and very impressive. Thank you. And I love what you're talking about here on the perseverance. If you were to say, I'm talking directly to an entrepreneur right now who's just struggling, what advice would you give them in today's business world? What would you say about not giving up? Because I think that's so relevant.
2: Yeah, I mean, Dan Moore, some of these guys come back to my head that uh back in our in our sales school's days that would would tell us, you know, nobody ever remembers the quitter. They never remember that guy's name. And so, I think it's just so important and it, a lot of it is mental, you know, once you fully commit, providence moves also. So, once you marry that industry, your territory, you say this is what I've chosen, uh then you go make that the best career you can make it. And it's a loser strategy to wish you were working for this company or working for that company or in that industry or that industry or in that marriage or wish you had you know you don't want to ever wish you were in a different situation you'd be happy with where god has you in this world and that's when you can really excel because part of it is you know people don't want to they don't want to do business with with somebody that they can feel it or tell is not uh, you know engaged in that industry or that company so you know i think that's uh that's really critical is for for you to just make that mental decision that this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to focus on it until I'm successful, until I, uh, persevere. Love it. Love it.
1: So take us on your journey here. So from Southwestern running a very successful company going through the 2008 crisis, why politics? Why did you jump into saying, you know what, I'm going to run
2: for governor. And what gave you the confidence to make that transition as well? You know, this is kind of a funny story that, uh, I've shared with people, uh, back in when I was 22, so I was a senior at Oklahoma state and, uh, my sales manager encouraged me to write down 50 lifetime goals. And, uh, so I remember sitting there, I hadn't graduated yet. And I started writing down dreams, right? What I want to accomplish. And, uh, one of them I wrote down was become governor of the state of Oklahoma. What? And, <laughs> seriously. And I thought, man, that is so crazy. I remember I erased it and I wrote, have dinner with the governor. Now I get to have breakfast, lunch, dinner with the governor. So no matter how crazy you think your dreams are, dream big. We don't set big enough goals sometimes and then we don't give ourselves long enough to go accomplish them. So it was around 2016. The business is going great. We're growing but I, as I traveled to other states, I would see a lot of momentum in, in our different offices, these other states. And I would come back to the state that I grew up in. I'm a fourth generation Oklahoman. And I realized that our whole state was not excelling like some of these other states that I was visiting. And, uh, and so I was like, man, I started to look at who was running for governor. And it was the same old, same old. It was the same career politicians uh, that had never been in the business world that were running for their next election. And I just decided, I just felt compelled. I felt kind of a calling. I mean, somebody had to step up. You know, I didn't see anybody else stepping up. And I felt like I had the skill sets and the ability to do it. And so, you know, I stepped off from my company and I, and I raised my hand and told Oklahomans that, that I wanted to uh, be their next governor. And I was going to bring a fresh set of eyes to state government. And I was going to make decisions based on the next generation, not the next election and we're going to make Oklahoma top 10 state. And so Oklahomans fortunately agreed with me, and I ended up winning and and just kind of shocked everybody. And it's just been great. It's just been the experience of a lifetime, and we're just making tremendous headway in Oklahoma, by the way.
1: I love it. Yes, I, I have been keeping up with the progress. You know, a lot of folks, it's hard to wrap your mind around running a state, but some of the people can relate to running a company. So what would you say the difference between running a state versus running your own business? And how are they similar and how are they different?
2: Yeah. Well, they're similar in the fact, this is what I told Oklahomans we elect people that had never hired or fired or signed a paycheck or set a vision and goals. And these are big CEO roles. This is, there's 33,000 employees in the state of Oklahoma and we run a $22 billion budget in our state. And at the end of the day, I mean, We're building roads, and we want the best education system, but the best healthcare system. We want the best DHS system, but these are also business-type functions. Uh, We've got accounting departments and HR departments, and you normally hire politicians that have never even done that. So I think those are some similarities. You need people that understand putting a team together because it's all about getting the right team. And uh, so those are the similarities with the business world. The things that aren't similar is you have, as the CEO, you can, you have your board or your team that you're working with and you make the right decisions and you move forward. And well, in the politics world, there's so many outside influences that are pushing the legislature to not make the right business decision or not make the right decision for the, the citizens because it might be not good for their one industry. That's what gets so frustrating for guys like me and for the average Oklahoman, all 4 million Oklahomans, if they knew what happened behind the scenes, that it's this big industry or this big industry that's pushing things, it's disappointing. And that's why I believe Oklahomans are so pleased with what I'm doing is because they see me fighting and never playing favorites uh, with one industry over another. We're making change and they can see me bulldozing things over to try to make Oklahoma a top 10 state, irregardless of what industry I might be you know, upsetting.
1: Yes. When you think through wins, big wins and successes, and sometimes having those confidence acres to leverage, to help you know you can do the next big thing, what would you say are some of your accomplishments so far that give you the confidence to keep thinking bigger?
2: You know, this session uh, in 2021, uh, the Speaker and the Pro Tem or the leaders of the House, the Senate, they both said this is the most successful session we've ever had in state history. And so a couple examples of that, the things that we're getting done Republicans have been trying to get done for like 15 to 20 years. And so we're able to get those things done. We got some huge education reforms done this year. And sometimes the status quo, you fight the status quo. Nobody wants anything to change. But the bottom line is, if Oklahoma is not top 10 in this, we're going we're gonna to try something different. And we're looking at other states. Uh, Florida was another perfect example of a state that had really improved their test scores. And so we tried to follow their model. So we did open transfer this year, uh, which means parents, the government shouldn't stand in the way of where a parent decides to put their kids in school. Uh, we got more funding for charter schools. We invested more in education as a, as a whole. I got rid of the unionized workforce this year in state government, which was an unbelievable uh, move. People don't talk about that. I call it my biggest, unsexiest bill of the year because we <laughs> unclassified the workforce, which was just amazing. We cut corporate taxes and, in- and personal income taxes this year. I was able to save. We have the largest savings account we've ever had in our state history. And because normally the legislature spends everything that they can that's appropriated to them or that they're allowed to spend. And uh, we saved over $800 million this year by holding our budgets flat. And so that's that's just something I'm super confident in and proud of that uh, we're continuing to get the state government more efficient, and therefore that's helping the taxpayers.
1: That is doing it the right way. What are some of your goals for the remainder of your run here, and what are some things that are on the horizon for you?
2: Well, you know, the big vision, like we said in the business world, is uh, you know to become a top ten state. So that's so aspirational; you never really achieve it, but it gives you. It gives you a beacon to aim for, and, it, and all of my state agencies then talk about it. So if it's roads or bridges, uh, Oklahoma's ranked number ninth in the country in bridge conditions, and we're 28th in pavement conditions. So you obviously want to continue uh, with that. We want to be the most business-friendly state. So all the policies around uh, removing outdated regulations, I have a goal to reduce regulations by 25% redundant regulations. Uh, We want to cut taxes. We want to be the most business-friendly tax state. So we want to uh, continue to give our citizens hope. So we have a lot of church groups and trying to bring uh, nonprofits into these spaces that actually change the trajectory of of Oklahomans to give every Oklahoman hope that their future could be better than their present. So we're trying to be a hope-centered state, and I'm getting that down throughout uh, all of our different state agencies. So we got tons of things to do. There's never a shortage of opportunities or things that need to be fixed in state government.
1: I love your focus on ranking. Uh, there is power in ranking and thinking of it in terms of, of where do we rake and, and how can we compare? Well, as you have your eyes towards the future for yourself, would there be a possible Senate or possible president run in the future? Because I know who I would vote for if you were to do that.
2: Well, thank you so much. Uh, you know, uh, the Senate would is kind is interesting. Uh, in fact, I mean, it'd be it'd be an honor to serve your state. But you're up there; you're one of a hundred. There's two senators from every state, and so you know that that is not quite as appealing to me because I love being governor and being able to really make the difference to be the CEO of my state. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, but you never say never. Uh, the president thing is is something that I think every every governor kind of thinks about that uh, because you're one of 50 governors in the state and and it's a natural progression. Uh, but we'll just have to wait and see. We'll see what the Lord puts on my heart and, and what opportunities come. And, uh, but right now I'm just, I'm loving serving my state. I've, I've still got a young family. And so it's great that we're able to be home. And we live here in Oklahoma city at the governor's mansion with, with our family and being able to go to football practice with my boys and Take my daughters uh, to volleyball practice. You know it's fun. You got to be a dad as well.
1: Tell us a little bit about your family. How many uh, kids do you have?
2: Yeah, sure. So Sarah and I, uh, I met her right after college, and yeah, she's she's fantastic, greatest first lady in Oklahoma history, and, and uh, Americans would love uh, would love her too around the around the country if they met Sarah. So she's great, and we have six kids: three boys, three girls. Uh, my oldest is twenty, and the youngest is seven.
1: Well, I I can tell you that the way that you're running the state of Oklahoma, also the way that you have run your company with Gateway and your track record with Southwestern, I I have no doubt if you were to choose to run for president, you would make an excellent president. And so hopefully God does put that on your heart at some time and and the doors open and we could get some of the same things happening in Oklahoma across the rest of the country in closing, is there anything that you would like to add to the listeners? It's a diverse group of folks listening to this podcast. And so do you have any closing remarks?
2: You know, I, I would just say, don't be afraid to, uh, you know, step out, follow your heart, follow your dreams, because fear is the enemy of greater achievement. And so we can all be very afraid of, of these decisions. And trust me, whether I went, when I sold books, when I started my company, when I decided to run for governor, you always have those thoughts, right, that go into your head that, oh, I can't do it. This is so hard. Or and So I just want to encourage the young people uh, to really follow their dreams. And uh, you can literally do anything you've set your mind to. It takes preparation. It takes hard work. It takes getting the right mentors and coaches and friends and help along the way. But literally, why not you? Why can't you do it? somebody's going to do it. Somebody's going to become governor. Somebody's going to become CEO. Somebody's going to invent the next great thing. Why not you? So go for it. Go for your dreams. You can make it happen. And it all started at Southwestern. I love
1: it. Thank you so much, Governor Kevin Stitt. This has been such a great time. And I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you for being here on the Action Catalyst.
2: Absolutely. Thank you so much.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. To stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.